everybody. I'm Sean Reynolds from Sportsnet, about to be joined by Ken Weave from Sportsnet. Together we are Kenny and Rennie, and this is the Kenny and Rennie post-game show after what I thought was not perfect, but a very, very, very good response game uh, for the Winnipeg Jets. Coming into this game, we all know what happened in the last game, playing the last place team in the league. Uh, yeah, they won the game. Uh, I've made it clear on this program. I'm not very happy with those kind of wins from the Winnipeg Jets. Um, their coach made that uh, very clear to the team as well. Uh, he said it today. He challenged this team after that game. He challenged them to be better and do better than what they had done in that previous game. And I thought that they absolutely rose to the challenge. Here's the deal. If you're Rick Bonus and you go and you watch your team, the previous game, go against the 32nd place team in the league and get outshot 17 to 7 in the first period and go down 2 nothing, almost go down 3 nothing in a game like that, and you're not happy with, there's certain things that you want to see in the next game. The first is a good start. And no doubt, Rick Bonus had challenged the Winnipeg Jets to come out to find a better start, a problem that has plagued this team a little bit this year, but entirely through the last number of years. It's been a problem for this team. Um, I'm not saying the problem is solved, but he got that start that he was looking for tonight. Second thing you want to see in a response game after that, especially a game in which I thought, and I think the numbers bear it out, that the the it was the depth players that dug the Winnipeg Jets out of their hole in the last game. I wanted to, if I'm Rick Bonus, I want to see my star players go out and put an impact on that game. That is absolutely what happened in this game. Mark Shifley goes out and had a game where he looked highly, highly motivated. Uh, Kyle Connor comes out and pops a couple of goals, sets Mark Shifley up with just a perfect assist uh, on the fourth goal of the game. Um, love that. Uh, I guess that brings me to my next point. The last thing I think that I want to see, and I know that this is starting to be, it's not a distant memory, but it's a memory. Those, you know, blown leads that we saw against the Carolina Hurricanes and against the Dallas Stars. I think if you're Rick Bonus, you want to see, okay, we got our start tonight. Check. We got our stars going. Check. What I want to see after that is I want to see us close out this game the right way. And so I think a very important moment in this game is when the Florida Panthers come out and score that goal in the third period. I think it's around the 1030 mark or something like that. I want to see that my team doesn't panic in that situation, comes out, gets back to the basics of the game and absolutely shuts things down. I think that's what they did. Another thing that was really important in all this, if you think about, you know, maybe the confidence level of a team, um, in the fact that they've given up some of these leads at six on five. Well, the Florida Panthers pulled their goalie and it was almost instantaneous at the Winnipeg Jets went, turned the puck over, sent it up ice, gave it to Adam Lowry, and it was in the back of the net. That's one of those plays where if you're a fan and you weren't necessarily paying attention or you bent over to pick up the Twizzler that you dropped in below your seat, because you know what? It's not the worst thing to take a Twizzler off the floor and eat it. It's not the biggest deal in the world. But if you happen to do that, you may have even missed that the goaltender left the net and that Adam Lowry had a wide open net. It's that quickly that it happened. If I'm Rick Bonus, I walk away from this game and I say, I challenged my players. I gave them a bunch of boxes to tick. And I think they ticked almost every single box with the victory that night. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is why your Winnipeg Jets are currently first in the Central Division. Yeah, tied for first, but they've got the tiebreaker against the Dallas Stars and 
They've got two games in hand. Your Winnipeg Jets are absolutely flying. And this line, I absolutely love it. I love the mindset. I love the way that you say things like this to your team and you keep pushing. But Rick Bonus in his post-game availability said, listen, you can either fight for your life or you can fight for first place. It's a choice to be made. I think that mindset has the Winnipeg Jets thinking, listen, if we're going to go out and have to throw everything out there, we might as well do it at the top of the division rather than duking it out for the uh, wildcard spotter for eighth place like we spent last year and a couple of the years before that. So uh, once again, I, I just think I'm, I'm bringing this up on every show. I'm bringing it up like I bring up our sponsors at the end of every show it's that consistent, but Rick Bonus's thumbprints are all over this team. And every single day, I think we learn a little bit something more about how he's challenged and pushes this team. And I think we see for the most part, those challenges are accepted and responded to. That's what I think. Not sure what you think. Let me know. But uh, the other guy I want to know what this all means is uh, our main man, Kenny, the man with the best music in the business. Here comes Kenny. Kenny, I'm going to tell you something. I'm getting sick and tired of all the pushback that I get from this chat room here. I bring my ideas in here. People are always pushing back. And this, uh, this, I, I'm surprised I'm getting pushback on this. So I ask you this. Have you ever eaten a Twizzler off the floor that you dropped? Oh, your mic is not working, Ken. Uh, not working. I'm going to let you work on that uh, a little bit. And then I'm just going to give a little bit of a shout out to our people at Vittorio Rossi. I was overseeing Frank and the boys today, went and checked out with them. I picked up four brand new suits that I'm going to go and I'm going to check out. Uh, you're going to see me unveil them over the days. They gave me all the tie combinations, all the shirts, everything like that. I take pictures when I'm there because otherwise I go home and the ties get swallowed up in the tie drawer and it's like I don't know what to put with what. So I keep a little Bible that they keep going for me so I know exactly what is uh uh, what is, uh, going on in that situation. But, uh, yeah, the, uh, um, w went over and saw the boys, Frankie and the boys at Vittorio Rossi looking great as usual. Kenny's the guy who's got that, uh, that classic look lately. I think it's a classic look he's got from Frankie and the boys. This is another one of their pieces. Nice and smooth. <laughs> Love it. You're back finally, Ken. Uh, just, it I want to give if one. you actually turn the microphone on. That uh, helps. That's that a, helps. Uh, that's I think, a... I think we ran into that the first day. Let me just give, finish giving a shout out to Frank and the boys. Head on down to Corden Avenue. Go see Frank and the boys. Uh, I, I've been trying to get, get them, Ken, to come out to, uh, uh, an event with us. I know that we've got the Christmas party happening on December 18th. That's sold out. Our next event at TransCanada Brewing, next live event, is going to be on the 21st of January. I'm trying to convince Frank and the boys to come down and have a, have a drink or two with us because uh, this is just a perfect opportunity, I think, for us to get together with everyone in the Kenny and Rennie community. That's going to be great. But I ask you again, Ken, I get, I'm blown away by the pushback. Who hasn't, who hasn't eaten a Twizzler off the floor? What's going on? Uh, just 
it depends which floor, my man. Uh, depends on uh, where you're having it. If it's in if it's in the house on a five second, I also know that I do a lot of the vacuuming at the house, so I don't mind doing it off the floor at my own house. Uh, not quite sure, depending on the area. So, um, like I said, I love this. Uh, this is a a great wake up for the microphone. Uh, yeah, and I, you're right. The look of fear on my face when I noticed the microphone is not working. Also, yeah. n- not not optimal, but uh, you know we want to show off our great Christmas presents to ourselves. Right. John, these microphones are fantastic. Uh, you know, but technical difficulties have been part of the brand since the very beginning. So you know, not a surprise that we're still working through a few of the technical difficulties here. Uh, well, anyways, anyways, we on, one to, of the on other, to the bigger and brighter things. One of the other things that we try to do uh, is give a little peek behind the scenes, and I'm going to give a little peek behind the scenes here, Ken and throw you under the bus in the process because everyone knows I love throwing Kenny under the bus. This is why I always ask you to show up before the show so we can check the mic. I say, get in the show so we can check your mic and make sure it's working. This is just another one. I have to tell you right now, uh, I was was responsible for the Rick bonus um, part of the quotes. Uh, As you know, you had to wait patiently for me, Sean. And when I sent it, somehow the quotes vanished into thin air. And Scott Billick was stuck uh, taking care of the rest of those quotes. So uh, stick taps oh to Scott goodness. Billick here. So that's why Good I didn't job. get in for the test of the microphone. But we're here Good now. Job. And let's, we're here. Uh, let's get You're after it. Let's go. Off. Lamplighter. Let's, let's go. go. Let's go. You lamplighter. Do the lamplighter. You do the lamplighter. lamplighter. You do the let's lamplighter. Let's go. Uh, some great options once again. Uh, you know. Honorable mention to Pierre-Luc Dubois for picking up the Josh Morrissey uh, shot pass and finding Mark Shifley for his first. But my lamplighter is the Mark Shifley second goal of the game, uh, the one that saw him convert a beautiful pass from Kyle Connor. Uh, that thing started with the Nate Schmidt pass to Kyle Connor, a zone entry, a pa- pass to Pierre-Luc Dubois, or sorry, pass to Nate Schmidt over to Kyle Connor, over to Mark Shifley in front for the one-timer, for the 15th goal of the season for Mark Shifley. Uh, absolutely awesome puck movement. That was also a power play marker as there were two seconds uh, left in that minor penalty on the play and the Jets converting with the late power play goal. Uh, it wasn't even, Rick Bonus had already kind of not conceded that the power play was over, but he went to the two defensemen set, uh, I believe with Nate Schmidt and Brendan Dillon on that play. He fired. Uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois on on the old power hour type shift with Mark Shifley and Kyle Connor. Uh, Dubois doing a nice job on that uh, on that on that uh, conversion. And boy, oh boy, uh, what an effort from Connor to Mark Shifley. I mean, we're going to dig into Shifley almost immediately here, but uh, that for me, Sean, that was my lamplighter of the game uh, in a game that had some uh, impressive impressive goals scored by the Winnipeg Jets. A good pick, uh, as always, Ken. And uh, if you want to share your lamplighter with us, you should, because if you do, you enter yourself for a chance to win an eight-pack of frosty, delicious lamplighter amber ale from the Transcanner Brewing Company. All you got to do is tell us what your goal of the game was, your lamplighter of the game. People have been doing a great job with this, and you are entered to win an eight-pack of Frosty Delicious Transcanner Brewing Company Lamp Lighter Ale. If you can't wait for us to hand that out to you, just head on down to Transcanner Brewing Company. Go to their tap room. It's gorgeous. I was there today. It is awesome. Go to 1-1290 Keniston. And you know someone who doesn't have to wait for their Frosty Delicious 8-pack of Amber Ale? I, I just had his name up on the screen. I'm gra- glad to see that Roy Mack is here because Roy Mack is the winner of the Frosty Delicious 8-pack of 
Lamplighter Amber Ale. All you got to do is get a hold of me at SN Sean Reynolds. Direct message me or one of my other socials. Doesn't matter which one. Just direct message me. I need your full name, Roy Mack, if that is your real name. And uh, an email for me to send that to you. And uh, we will get that along your way. I got to say, uh, Lynn Reimer won last time and she gifted it to her brother. And I just wish I had the kind of relationship with my siblings, Ken, that someone would just drop an eight pack of Lamplighter Amber Ale in my, uh, in my lap. I will say I was down there today. Ken, they've got the, these holiday packs. Picked one up for you. Oh, I've got another one. It's gonna be it's gonna be a home game next time, so I'm gonna show off the pack. It's great, uh, really nice. Two of them, Ken. Two of the beers are nine percent because some of us need a little help getting through the holidays. And uh, <laughs> Transcanner Brewing is here to help you do that. Uh, let's move on and uh, go to the Johnston Group. Got you covered. Play of the game, Ken. Yeah, you know what? Uh, you sort of uh, loosely referenced it early in the broadcast in your uh, in your quick soliloquy. Uh, my we've got you covered play of the game is the chip off the glass by Dylan Sandberg to free up Adam Lowry for the empty netter. So we're not talking about any six on five goals allowed for a Winnipeg Jets team who not like so it. long ago was having a little bit of difficulty. Uh, they, you know, Sergei Bobrovsky exited the net. Uh, and again, it's just a simple, simple play. Uh, chip off the glass. Adam Lowry gets inside position on his man, fires it into the empty net with 301 to play, and it puts the game out of reach. Uh, there will on be ice. no comeback. There will be no uh, mayhem late in the game where there are one, two, or three goals allowed. Uh, Jets just stabilize quickly. And again, simple play, but an important one for a young player. And Sean, again, you said it the other day on Sunday after the, you know, Unfortunate error for Sandberg when he tried to drag and shoot across the middle. Brett Leeson gets the breakaway. It didn't get him down. It didn't shake his confidence whatsoever. He's playing with confidence. Sure, there was an interference minor. I mean, it was a kind of a, you know, whatever. One of those plays. It had to be called, but I don't think that's the kind of, that's not the kind of penalty that gets you into any trouble with the coaching staff. It's not the kind of uh, penalty that gets you in position to uh, potentially be replaced in the lineup. Uh, I, I like the play by Sandberg and the finish by Adam Lowry, who's now up to five goals. Uh, you know, that's a cookie for Lowry. I thought the Lowry line was excellent again today in terms of their checking responsibilities with Barron and Menelainen. Uh He's up to five goals. And like I said, that is our We've Got You Covered play of the game sponsored by our friends at the Johnston Group. Awesome stuff. The Kenny and Rennie OGs, the Johnson Group. You won't find two businesses with the same challenges, but you will find 30,000 businesses with Chambers Plan employee benefits proudly administered by our friends at Johnson Group. Chambers Plan is Canada's number one plan for employee benefits because it evolves with the way you work and live. The plan is run as a not-for-profit designed specifically to support small businesses, and its unique pooling strategy keeps rates stable, so you won't have any surprises at your next renewal. Chambers Plan now comes with professional consulting on key financial, legal, and HR issues and teledoc telemedicine services are included with every health option. See how Chambers Plan can benefit your business by visiting Chambers chamberplan.ca and of course like always the johnson group has you covered kind of like these mics have us covered ken it reminds me of a couple <laughs> shows ago i remember i thought this was a pretty funny moment a guy who from the cleaning clue cleaning crew came walked up right behind the 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 computer here and just started yelling across the arena to someone and i had to be like hold on a second excuse me here it's kind of happening right now but these mics got us covered in this situation i love to see a great christmas present ken 
I love you, buddy. It's good stuff. Okay, <laughs> we need to move on. Let's move on to Mark Shifley uh, because this struck me as a little bit of a Mark Shifley revenge game. Now, I don't know if you feel the same. I've got my thoughts on it, but it felt like Fire there was the something thoughts. about you go this. First. Okay, I'm I insist. Go first I insist. From every point, so I, I noticed in uh, during the first intermission um, on Twitter, people were starting to talk about you know uh, I, I don't I can't remember specifically what was said, but they were talking about Mark Shifley and and maybe the idea that he was not the biggest Paul Maurice fan is how it was being framed, and I was trying to figure out what had been said or if there was something that happened. I did notice that it, I think you noticed this, Ken, when Paul Maurice and Jamie Compon were getting the shout out from the crowd and they put their arms around each other and they were waving to everybody at one point he looks to center ice and he points and he gives a point and a head nod well that was to uh former captain uh blake wheeler um and so blake had gone up to center ice to kind of acknowledge him and when i looked on the bench to see where mark shifley was because i think those are the two guys more than anybody else that i think that we kind of associate uh, with with Paul Maurice's tenure. I don't know about you. Maybe Josh Morrissey we could throw in there as well. But I think those are the two main figures ahead of like a Kyle Connor and so on and so forth. And what I noticed was Mark Chifley was sitting on the bench and he was either tying away at his skate or something was going on. But he had his back entirely turned to the Pan- Panthers bench. And I'm not saying that that was a snub, but there was definitely no way that Mark Shifley was jumping out and like kind of throwing his hands up and, and and kind of celebrating along with the crowd. And it kind of went along with the theme of the day for him. I mean, we talked to him earlier on and I don't know what you thought about this, but he, I asked him, I don't know if I asked the first question. I know I asked the second one, but someone asked what uh, kind of reception he thought that Paul Maurice was going to get. And he kind of said, well, that's not up to me. That's up to the fans, Bob. I didn't really answer the question. And I responded and I said, well, Mark, what kind of response do you think he should get? And he basically said, I don't know. It's not up to me. And basically answered it the same way. But there's no doubt about it in my mind, Ken. Mark went out of his way to not say, you know, Paul Maurice should be, you know, get a hero's welcome or a standing ovation or people should be very happy or whatever. He, he seemed to me to get out of, go out of his way to avoid the topic. And it felt icy to me. It felt really icy. And I thought what I saw from Mark Shifley here in this game was a player who was committed to a little bit of a revenge game. That's what I saw. I don't know if you see the same thing, but I thought Mark Shifley was out to prove something. He admitted as much in the post game. And once again, when it was, he was asked, and I think it was you who asked him about uh, Paul Maurice and the acknowledgement from the crowd. Again, there was just a very kind of absence of him kind of giving his own tribute to Paul Maurice. But one thing in the entire day that he was able to do was turn questions about Maurice to the present and how appreciative he is of the Rick bonus structure that has been put in the Rick bonus investment in making this team a better team, the Rick bonus investment in really pushing this team. I thought through the process of, of admission for his new coach and kind of avoiding talking about his his ex-coach, Mark Shifley really kind of showed that he had one in for Paul Maurice tonight, and I think he pulled that off. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. I mean, uh, Mark Shifley was not feeling sentimental. <laughs> Let's just put it that way. Uh, I would say, uh, you know, 
It's more about what Mark didn't say than what he did say, and I think that's kind of what you were actually saying, Sean. Uh, I do, you know, yeah. Mark Shifley's favorite football player is Tom Brady. Uh, this had very much of a Bill Belichick, Tom Brady breakup kind of feeling. Oh yeah. Um, the only thing that we didn't see was Mark Shifley on the flyby after his first goal, uh, staring directly at Paul Maurice on the Panthers bench, and giving him a let's go for lack of a better term uh i think it's been pretty clear that you know at least you know looking between the lines and uh sometimes our job is to read between the lines uh, it didn't end well uh with mark and and paul maurice and i think it's probably uh, a two-way street it's not just uh it's not just mark that was disappointed with paul at the end i think paul was probably also disappointed in mark at the end um, yep and thus uh i think that mark got to the point where he was ready to be coached. Uh, he said that on several occasions. He wants to be pushed, he wants to be challenged, and he wants to be coached. Um, I, I would also maybe counter by saying I think that Paul Maurice probably wanted Mark to be playing as committed a style of game that Mark is currently playing for Rick Bonus, even though maybe he didn't uh, you know, go about asking him the same way that maybe Rick Bonus did. But again, that's speculative on our parts. But uh, based on Mark's comments, that seems to be how he feels about it. Uh, I do think that, uh, you know, Rick has opened his eyes, but I also think there's going to come, again, I, I follow the Patriots closely. I, I've been a Tom Brady fan for a long time. I am a fan of how, uh, you know, do your job, that whole mentality that the Patriots use. Uh, I also think there is going to come a time down the road, much like it will for Bill Belichick and Tom Brady, that Mark Shifley will look back at the way the relationship started with Paul Maurice. Paul had a big influence on his career as he broke into the NHL as a full-time player. He helped unlock some of his talent, and now he's trying to take that talent to the next level. So uh, I just don't think that that uh, you know, reconciliation or whatever way you want to put it uh, was going to be happening uh, this evening or today or uh, any time in this season. But what we did see was admiration from former captain Blake Wheeler. Uh, he talked about how Paul set a new standard and helped, you know, help the team reach their biggest successes. So uh, not surprised that he took that tenure, tenor and tone uh, and not surprised that Mark had no interest in being sentimental or uh, praising his former coach either. But, uh, you know, the biggest thing for the Jets is that Mark Shifley continues to play a committed game. I mean, not only did we see him score two goals to get him to 15 on the season, we saw him below the goal line on several occasions, you know, cleaning up some of the the messes, uh, behind, not messes, but the, the loose change uh, when it came to D-to-D plays. And you saw him being committed down low, and you saw him on the back check. All, all things that, you know, the Jets coaching staff has wanted and asked of Mark Shifley he's been able to deliver. Um, you know, we talked. You talked. You know, we talked on our head about Rick Bonus constantly pushing his players for more. Well, what's the first thing that one of the first things Mark Shifley said after praising his line mates for making great passes? He was disappointed he didn't fill the hat and finish yeah. the hat trick on the one timer chance he had. So that again, that's Mark wanting to get himself back into the discussion of being one of the you know top whatever number you want to use centerman in the NHL. It's important to Mark Shifley. He is showing that commitment on a number of levels, and he's been rewarded for it on the ice. I mean, 15 goals in 20, what, 24 games it is today, Sean? 
I mean, that's an impressive, so it might be 25 uh, either way. It's an impressive number, and Mark has done a fabulous job, and those assist totals are starting to climb a little bit. And, you know, Mark deserves credit for how he's playing because outside of Connor Hellebuck, he needed to be the, one of the Jets' best players this year, and he has been in that discussion. And that doesn't mean he's leading, he's not leading the team in scoring, but it's the other things he's doing while not sacrificing a lot of offense that have made him a better player. He's not giving up nearly as much as he was in prior seasons. Uh, he has said that's part of the reason is because he's being pushed. And, uh, you know, we talked so much about Rick Bonus unlocking Josh Morrissey's offensive potential. Uh, Rick Bonus also deserves some credit for helping Mark Shifley find a different place uh, where he is comfortable in both ends of the ice. He continues to work on all aspects of his game. But his shoot-first mentality, he's always been a quality-over-quantity player, but he's scoring from you know outstanding spots, and he is looking for... I think he's still looking for a shot a little bit more uh, as well, and you know he deserves credit for that. And I mean... It, let's not kid ourselves. That first conversation that Mark Shifley had with Rick Bonus was going to be an essential one, and we don't know the full contents of that conversation, but it's pretty clear with Mark Shifley's play that Rick Bonus was able to have a message that resonated with Mark Shifley. And I can only speculate that it included, I need this from you, and this is how we're going to get you back to being the player, much like Rick Bonus said to Josh Morrissey, I want you to be in the top 10 discussion for the Norris Trophy. I'm not saying he said the same thing to Mark Shifley when it came to being in the Hart Trophy discussion, but he told him how important it was for him to be a committed two-way player, and Mark has been that in the early going in this season. And it's not just, you know, Johnny come lately. This is now a 24-25 game block where Shifley has been excellent throughout the majority of that block? Um, you know, the one thing, Ken, I think there's a ton of stories in this. It's like it would be really interesting to go to every player on this team and go through what that first phone call that they had with Rick Bonus was. Because, I mean, the one, it's funny because I've got to talking, you know, when I go out and I talk with, like, friends or family or, you know, Jets fans I run into, and you go back and you talk about that, uh, that uh, conversation that Josh Morrissey had with Rick Bonus and just, like, the fact that, that Josh Morrissey gets off the phone, that first phone call, and just absolutely is, like, ready to go. Like, can the season start now? He's just pumped up. And I just wonder... I bet you every guy on this team has a story about that first phone call. And I would just like to get an idea from, from all of them about like how it affected them, how it maybe gave themselves a different perspective of themselves as a player. I think it would be a real interesting one. Um, but I, I, I digress. I, I want to go back because we started talking about the, the one side of the comments that we heard from. You touched on Blake Wheeler. Thank you for doing that. Uh, and Mark Shifley talking about the return of Paul Maurice. We also had a chance to talk to Paul Maurice earlier today. I want to get into that. I want to talk a little bit about Paul. I want to talk a little bit about where the Florida Panthers are because clearly that was an interesting topic for Winnipeg Jets fans on this night. But first, I want you to give your main man, Lou Furlan, a shout out. You bet. For all the folks watching live on YouTube and those checking out things on the podcast later on, if you're in the market, the real estate market, if you're buying, if you're or you're looking to buy, if you're looking to sell, if you're looking to just check out what the market is doing right now, you can contact our main man, Lou Ferlin. 
at Royal LePage Dynamic Realty. You can reach him at 204-791-9971 or 204-989-5000 at the office. It's lou at louferlin.ca and his website is www.louferlin.ca. That's L-O-U-F-U-R-L-A-N.ca. Uh, helping you is what we do is the slogan our main man goes with and he's a great promoter of uh, amateur athletics in our community and just an all-around great human to go along with his uh, real estate prowess so uh, if you're in the market for any of those things we've mentioned uh, Lou is your guy sweet Lou as I like to call him and you know what I love I love that the old stats for Lou start coming out uh, when, when we he's brought up in the show let me see if I can find this here uh, we got to verify sometimes I think some sometimes we have to verify I don't sure, know but Lou Lou Furlan is a Vanier Cup champion there you go. There you go. National champion Rob Mahoney says Lou, for, Lou recorded 12 interceptions as a safety for the 84 Bisons, also team captain all four seasons of his career. I don't know if that's the – we haven't have fact-checked this. I'll tell you this, though. Lou, I don't think there's anything that Lou can't do. So even if he didn't do this, I think he could have if he wanted to. That's how much confidence I have in Lou. And we're going to hold off on the home field – dig deeper comment to the game because I think the chat room needs to dig deeper Ken they need to dig deeper than they've dug right now we need more out of you chat room we need you to bring it there's 369 people out there give us some likes give us your comments and uh and we'll give you some dig digger deeper awards okay let's go to Paul Maurice uh you sat in on his press conference it was a long one uh what did you what did you take away from it yeah, I think that I love that Paul leaned into this. I mean, and I'm not, you know, again, I've got no problem with how Rick Bonus uh, dealt with his own, um, you know, dealings when it came to facing the Stars for the first time here and then, fa- you know, being in Dallas for the first time. Uh, he was not interested in dealing with the emotional component uh, when he was asked by, you know, a couple of Dallas beat writers uh, saying that the focus is on the game and everything else. And, and, I, and I'm fine with that. I'm also fine with the fact that Paul Maurice leaned into it and said, answered my question about the emotions and seeing Bruce Cassidy go back to Boston and saying that, yes, it was going to be emotional for him. You, you, he didn't separate the personal from the professional. Uh, this was a community that meant an, or means an awful lot to him. Uh, it's where his family grew up. It's where you know he spent eight years of his career here, um, you know, eight-plus years, and he had a lot of successes, and he had a lot of things that he wished had gone differently. Uh, you know, he was asked about regrets, and it's not surprising what he said. I mean, he basically intimated or hinted at this on the day he announced his resignation, that he wasn't feeling the same way. Uh, but the fact that he came out and said that he wished he had probably stepped away in the off season, I think that was an important, um, you know, thing to make public. I mean, because I think a lot of Jets fans had questions, and rightfully so, about the way he departed, and now they have their answer. And, uh, you know, again, that's not going to make everyone feel good about, you know, the the actual answer. But, you know, I I appreciate the fact that he, you know, it sounded like he felt he owed an explanation and he gave that explanation. Some people may not like the explanation, but at least it's out there publicly. Uh, He put it on the record and I thought it was important for him to do that. Uh, I think the fact that, you know, uh, you know, when I asked him the other question that I felt was important, when did he feel like he was ready to coach again? And let's make this clear. Paul wasn't looking to be a head coach again. He wasn't going to just take the first job that was offered to him. He had other opportunities to coach in other markets. Uh, But this one kind of 
a lot of worlds collided. He got a phone call from Bill Zito, kind of out of the blue. You know, early in earlier in the winter, his wife um, Michelle asked him if he was interested in anything. He said, "Yeah, you know, this Panthers team kind of intrigues me." You know, a couple months later, his son got into, or one of his sons got into Miami Law School, so they were considering moving there anyway. And when Bill Zito decided to make a move on Andrew Brunette, uh, he became interested. So uh, those are the things that kind of stood out to me. And, you know, to me, Paul sounded like he was rejuvenated. And again, a lot of people are not, you know, that's not enough for them. But Paul Maurice was burnt out. He took some time to get away from the game. Uh, You know, is it cherry picking when you, you know, there aren't many times when the President's Trophy winner becomes available, that job becomes available. I don't blame him for taking it. It's not a slight on Winnipeg. He wasn't trying to, you know, improve his situation. But he went to a situation where he felt he could make an impact and he's gone to the Florida Panthers. And, yeah, I mean, it has been a little bit of bumps in the road early. Um, you know, Paul said that was kind of expected going into the year. Their identity has changed with the big trade. Uh, Hubert Owen Weger for Matthew Kachuk, who was uh, kind of all over the guts of the game. But uh, I thought Paul handled himself well, acquitted himself well. And uh, it was not surprising one bit to me that during the video and when the cameras found him on the bench, that he wrapped his arms or his arm around the shoulder of Jamie Compon and had a genuine and heartfelt thank you uh, to the people that were standing uh, and giving him a, a just ovation. And, you know, part of part of that was, you know, part of the, the other part of that equation that Blake Wheeler talked about, the standards. It's okay for Jets fans to acknowledge what Paul Maurice did, and it's also okay for them to close the chapter on that or close the part of the chapter in that book and move on. They've obviously embraced Rick Bonus as they should, but I think this was kind of, this was their chance for the fan base to salute Paul Maurice for the time he invested both with the community and with the organization. And I thought it was a nice moment. And then they went on and, you know, got back to business and, you know, I don't know if it's closure or whatever else, but I think it was, you know, a lot of folks felt there was just an abrupt ending and it wasn't the ending that they were, you know, looking for. So I think there was, uh, you know, a little bit of closure maybe on that, on that front. But I think now, you know, all parties will move forward, and you know they've embraced a, you know, a new head coach as they should. The players have embraced it. Uh, Kyle Connor, you know, although Mark Scheifele didn't want to get into it, obviously Kyle Connor saluted Maurice afterward as well. And I think this this chapter of the book is kind of closed. And people, you know, Paul flat out said it. He's cheering. You know, he wasn't cheering for them tonight. But he hopes the Jets do well. This is a place that's always going to have a special, you know, piece of his heart. And he was being very genuine in those comments. And you know, now they won't see the they won't see the Jets till March. And it'll be interesting, Sean, to see where those two teams are at um, by the time things come around to March, because right now the Jets are in a battle for first place, and and the Panthers are in that other predicament where they're kind of in a battle for their playoff lives, even though. It's only the second quarter of the season here. Well, it's an interesting one. I didn't think that they looked very good tonight uh, at all. And well, look who I they're say missing, that, though. yeah, yeah, they're missing some people, um, no doubt. I, I, and you know what? It's interesting. I made a tweet earlier on uh, that a lot of people took as me trying to troll Paul Maurice. Um, 
uh, and I'd said something along the lines, and, and I truly believe this, like I, the, the, the Florida Panthers came in here last year and they were a buzzsaw and they'd get the puck. They'd gain the zone. They wouldn't give the puck away easily. They wouldn't float it in on net like they did all night tonight. How many times did a Florida Panther gain the zone right down in the middle, get filtered into the middle by the Winnipeg Jets defense and float one in on net? They'd get in and they'd hold on to that puck and they were fast and they tired out opponents. We didn't see any of that tonight. You are right. And when I said this, and I'm saying this right now, this Florida Panthers team to me was unrecognizable compared to what I saw from them last season when they were in this building and I saw them live. And I couched it. I couched the comment by saying, yes, I know that there's uh, that, that they have injuries that they're dealing with right now. Um, that is most definitely part of what we're seeing from the Florida Panthers right now. Yes, you touched on it. They had a trade. They brought some new new players in. I was vocal. I said it to you. I thought the Florida Panthers had one of the worst off seasons of any team in the NHL. Losing Mason Marchment, I thought was terrible. I thought losing Jonathan Huberdeau has kind of led to a problem for both the Calgary Flames and uh, and the Florida Panthers in that, to your point, the, the switch of those two players, it's not like 105 points or whatever they both were like around 110-point players. It's not 110-point player for 110-point player. It's two players with entirely different styles, and I really do think that the main driver of that offense for that team last year, uh, outside of Barkov, and I still do think Huberdeau was greater, but Jonathan Huberdeau was the guy who drove that team offensively, and a guy who was getting a lot done for them was Mason Marchman as well. They moved out, and Mackenzie Weger may have been their best defenseman. Like I thought that they had an atrocious offseason, so that is clearly part of it, but the coaching is part of this too. There's no way you can look at this equation and see what has happened with the Florida Panthers and not think that Paul Maurice's stamp on this team has not been what I think they expect, and I'll say this uh, Paul Maurice talked about, and I'd asked him this question, when you inherit the President's Trophy winning team and you're where you find yourself now, what kind of pressure comes in that? And he'd said basically internally none, that the team expected to be here. I don't buy that for a second, Ken. I don't think for a second that this ownership group and that this general manager and the managerial group for the Florida Panthers thought that losing what they did or making the moves that they did would have put them outside of the playoff race looking in in the in the stratosphere of a team like the Montreal Canadiens like think about this people the Montreal Canadiens were the last place team in the league the Florida Panthers were the first place team in the league and they're side by side right now if the Montreal Canadiens pull off a victory against Seattle tonight I believe they're tied in the standings that is a ridiculous swing both ways for both of these teams and I would say it's almost easier to be the the Canadians who go from dead last to being a a fringe, you know, outside team that's around 11th or 10th place. It's almost easier to do that than it is to go from first all the way down. I don't buy that. I don't think that the the Florida Panthers as a team right now are taking well to Paul Maurice's coaching style. Uh, I think that's part of the problem. You know, at the beginning of the year, Ken, that you and I had this conversation. I was on the record early when they made that hire. I was blown away that they made that hire. The reason I was blown away by it is I saw the Florida Panthers as a team that had kind of everything ready to go to take the next step to try and win a Stanley Cup, right? They go out, they found they found regular season success. They had a little bit of success the year before when they had one of the best playoff series that we've seen in the last couple of years between the Florida Panthers and the Tampa Bay Lightning two years ago. Last year was a, a, a walk 
for for the uh, um, for the for the Tampa Bay Lightning. I think that has everything to do with the loss of John Quenville. But I thought what the Florida Panthers needed was a a coach, a proven coach, to take them over the top. And I'm sorry, but Paul Maurice's record has shown that he's never been that coach that's been able to take a team and put them over the top. So that's why I didn't like that hire. But I don't think from what I've seen from this team and from what I saw from them here tonight is an example of them taking well to the coaching change. I don't think it's happening there. Everything that I heard, Ken, from the people I've talked to within Florida suggests that they will stick with him this year regardless of whether they miss the playoffs or not. So it sounds like his job is safe for the season. I'd wondered if it would be. Sounds like it is. But the one point I wanted to end on here, Ken, uh, I thought Paul Maurice was somewhat sheepish today in his press conference. He didn't strike me as the Paul Maurice that we usually talk to. He seemed quiet. He seemed reserved in a way. I, I thought that he was, uh, he was sheepish. And, and I'm not, to be honest with you, I'm not surprised by that. I think Paul Maurice's admission when he was asked what he would do differently, and I think it was Kelly Moore from CJOB who asked that question. When asked what he would do, sorry, who was it? It was Mike. Sorry, it was Mike. It was Mike from the Free Press asked what he would do differently, and he admitted that he would have left in the summertime. And I think that that is an admission in itself of what we all know. Paul Maurice shouldn't have left halfway through the season last year. I, I, I truly believe that. I think a coach getting up and walking out of the room, uh, while I think it was important for this franchise, and maybe we should give him uh, credit for that, because I don't think, you know, a lot of people come to me and they say, you can tell me, you know the, the real deal. Paul Maurice was about to get fired and he left early. That's nothing that I've heard, and I don't think that was the case. I completely and fully think he would have finished out the year with I don't think he was getting fired by Kevin Sheveldayoff and I'll tell you right now I'm not sure he wouldn't be by behind the bench right now if 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 it had been up to Kevin Sheveldayoff I don't know that he was getting forced out of town so I do think in the end and maybe I should give him credit for this I do think the Jets are in a better spot today because Paul Maurice stepped away from the team because I don't think the team would have forced him out but it, it's still something I don't think you do. I know it was. I know. I remember him saying, "This is a good day." When he walked out, I don't. I don't know how he can say that. I think what we're seeing from a player like Mark Shifley, and I think there were certain players that were upset that he walked out and did that. I think. I think they're still upset by that. I don't think it's a good thing, and I think his admission that if he could do it over again, he would have left in the summertime is an admission that that's not how you leave a hockey team. Yeah, I mean, I. I... Again, it's I'm going to draw a parallel here. I mean, it's maybe a little bit of a – I don't think it's a stretch. It's it's very similar to how Dustin Bufflin left. Um, you know, you have this this person who invested so much into the community and in the organization and ultimately just decided to kind of walk away. Dustin Bufflin did it as a player. Paul Maurice decided it was enough as a coach. And, you know, it took a long time for the Jets to recover from Dustin Bufflin's decision and his absence. And – the same things are, are kind of true. I mean, because of the, you know, the grievance that that Bufflin filed, the Jets were never really able to replace him. And in a similar vein, I mean, the Jets were forced to put Dave Lowry in a very difficult position. Uh, you know, one where he was coaching his son and you know taking over midstream. And you know, again, Dave Lowry's not going to say no. I mean, it's rarely an optimal scenario when you get your first chance as a head coach. I mean. Paul Maurice took over from Paul Holmgren early in a season 
where he wasn't ready to become the head coach. And I'm not saying it's the same for Dave Lowry. I'm just saying it it put the Jets in an, in a very difficult position and one they didn't really recover from. Uh, Long term, what Paul Maurice said is accurate. The Jets are today are in a better place than they were in December on the 17th. But they went through a lot of pain and misery before that was able to be the case. And they had to kind of find a coach that in some ways fell into their lap. So, um, you know, it's interesting. I mean, people think, oh, well, you know, anyways, I don't want to I don't want to get into it. I think we've spent a lot of time. We've we've covered it. We've covered Uh, it. I think it's important. And, you know, again, it's what I know what I'm not. uh, What I'm also saying is this. Paul Maurice gave a lot to this organization. It was also time for someone to take over. I mean, if Paul Maurice can see it, I mean, I guess, you know, it's kind of on us. Maybe we should have seen it also. Uh, but, again, well, it hey, was time for in, a new voice. In fairness, the chat there room had voice. been seeing it for oh, a sure, long yeah. time, right? For and, sure. And, and, Ken, you and I were on, on, on uh, like, we were on this, and we talked about it, and we've both said this. Like, I'm not a columnist. It's not my job to say I think they should fire that guy. It's my job to throw out the facts and allow the the audience to come to that conclusion. I, I don't pick up a flag and start running with a flag. If I if I do, I'm not doing my job. But someone earlier on here, uh, I, um, someone in the chat room had said something along the lines of Paul Maurice being an ultimate schmoozer. I... I I think it's kind of hilarious. Like, and this is what I love about this show, Ken. You and I are constantly, constantly on the record with what we think about this team. And so I think it's funny when someone says like that I got schmoozed and then in the same in the same or the next comment, I've got 20 people in the chat room who say I'm always negative about this team. Well, the reason people think that is because for the last two years, I've been saying that things aren't working with the Winnipeg Jets and they need to do things differently. Like read between the lines when i'm doing that it's it's what i'm what i'm suggesting not suggesting but if i'm talking about a team that is not working the way it should be doing you need to start reviewing why it's not happening like that and the head coach has to be part of that so i mean uh, i'll say this there's going to be people out there who will say you should have called for them to be him to be fired a long time ago and then there's people who are going to say every time you think things don't go right that you're you're being negative and crapping all over the team, right? Uh, all, I stand behind everything we've ever said on this show. Does that mean that we're right all the time? No, but you're getting an honest assessment from us all the time, and I can tell you this. I don't for a second feel like I was schmoozed by or duped by anyone into supporting a coach uh, to stick around longer than maybe they should have. Um, I think that I put my thoughts on what was happening out there. But again, I stand by that. If I go out and I'm waving a flag and saying the Winnipeg Jets should fire their coach or fire their general manager, do this. I'm not doing my job because I'm supposed to be an impartial journalist. I bring you the facts. It's like my tweet earlier on tonight. I said that about about this team not looking as good. And everyone thought it as me taking a shot at Paul Maurice. It wasn't. I was saying, go take a look at the game tape from the Florida Panthers rolling in here last year versus this year, they're not even close to the same team. Is Paul Maurice uh, part of that? You'd be crazy not to look at it based on him being the coach. You'd be crazy not to look at the the personnel that came in and out. You'd be crazy not to look at the fact that they were on the road trip or their injuries or whatever. But I'm telling you what I'm seeing. You're getting an honest assessment from us either way. Anyways, we got to move on, Ken, and we got to move on to our home field dig deeper comment of the game. And we have that. It's ready to go. I got it queued. I really like this one. Uh, Helly's Kitchen 
says, was a little worried the new system would restrict the offensive prowess of our top six as they get more comfortable in the structure. It seems to be the exact opposite. I could not agree with this more. And I couldn't agree with it more for a big reason here, Ken. I had thought that what we saw, and I think Dallas is a good comparable. The Winnipeg Jets were a team that needed to get better defensively. But you're thinking maybe you're going to bring in a coach like Rick Bonus, who let, let's be honest, Ken, everyone, we talk about head coaches moving here or there. Rick Bonus left Dallas and there's a lot of fans there who were thinking of Rick Bonus. Good riddance. He makes us too defensive. He doesn't open things up offensively. Well, Rick Bonus has gone there and look what's happening to Jason Robertson. That team is opening up offensively. So I had thought the Dallas Stars were a team that needed to open up offensively. And they had the defense covered. Pete DeBoer comes in. He's done a good job of them opening up offensively. No doubt about it. But, and I think this is a big but, Ken, that team gets scored on in a way they haven't been scored on in a long time, right? Like the Dallas Stars have been a grind for how many years? And they're becoming less and less of a grind to play against. I mean, they lose 4 nothing to the Leafs tonight. I think the last time they played uh, the Minnesota Wild, they get five goals scored on them by the Minnesota Wild. They're allowing goals now. So that balance to, to the point that is being made here, the balance in that situation is they've opened up the offense, but the defense has opened up as well. Rick Bonus came rolling in here with the job of shutting things down defensively. And I think it's very right to worry that shutting things down defensively could mean a team full of offers that the Winnipeg Jets have would see things kind of, you know, hunkering down a little bit. And I think a lot of people thought that's what we were seeing at the, seeing at the beginning of the year. Maybe that's what we were. Kyle Connor, like you'd said, gets out to a slow start. Mark Shifley got there pretty, pretty well, but all of a sudden, all of a sudden, there's, what is it, five guys on this team now, Ken, that are hovering around or above the point per game mark? That's like one quarter of your team at point per game. This team has found its offense. It's found its defense. What a, ba what a balance they've struck. And that, for me, is why that comment is clearly far and away the home field dig deeper comment to the game. I asked for more from the chat room, and man, oh man, did I get it. Excellent. Excellent, excellent comment there by Helly's Kitchen. Great job, Ken. Yeah, and you can reach that's uh, Homefield for marketing at more, marketing and more. You can reach them at myhomefield.ca. And yeah, just going to dig into that uh, quickly here, Sean. Please, so, please. Um, and it's interesting. I mean, the Jets went from being in the bottom third in terms of goals for, right, until they had the seven-goal outburst against the Chicago Blackhawks. I think they were kind of right around 21st or 23rd in goals for per game. Uh, then they had the eruption, and now they're kind of closer to the middle of the pack. But like you said, so Josh Morrissey, 27 points. He is one of those players above. Kyle Connor now up to 10 goals. He's the fourth player on the roster. Sorry, third player on the roster to hit double digits. He's up to 26 points. Pierre-Luc Dubois is a point-of-game player. 11 goals, 25 and 24 games. Blake Wheeler, 22 points in 24 games. And Mark Shifley. Uh, with those 15 goals and six assists, is now up to 21 points in 24 games. Like that, that's an impressive number. And as we mentioned, I mean, Kyle Connor, his shooting percentage now is up to 11.6. But I mean, it was around seven seven percent for a while. I mean, one of the reasons he wasn't scoring, he just didn't wasn't having any puck luck around the net. And now yeah. he's just been absolutely got on it tonight. Fire. He got it tonight. Yeah, well, he sure did. I yeah. mean, that first one. Uh, Again, that's not an NHL goal. Spencer Knight had a had a had an. Off I do think night. it may have hit the defenseman's stick, but that's still from distance where you should have recovered. That you got to get your pad down and make that save. 
I mean, again, we talked about the passing play and the, you know, the nice four-check by Connor, by Mikey Acemont. Pierre-Luc Dubois made a nice play to get it over to Connor, and then the wickets just kind of opened wide on Spencer Knight. The five-hole was wide open, uh, and you saw a goal, scoring, or a goal scorer scoring a goal that, again, most def- goaltenders will want to say they should have had that, but Cal Connor's got one of the best releases in the NHL, so he doesn't need to apologize for beating a goaltender through the five-hole. Uh, another impressive goal by him. And you know what? I, I need to switch gears here. I know we only have about uh, eight minutes left here. I've been a little down on the play of Neil Pionk this year, Sean. Uh, again, I'm not I'm not, not ripping him, but I don't think that his play has been up to the standard that he set for himself during those first two years with the Jets. I thought today was one of Neil Pionk's best games of the season, and I, I love the compete. It was a lot of the, nothing to do with points. I thought that uh, Neil Pionk had done an excellent job on the penalty kill. He broke up a couple of nice plays. He got involved in a spirited scrap uh, with Nick Cousins. Uh, that edge that we were used to seeing Neil Pionk play with was back today, and I thought he was moving the puck well. I thought his uh, we've been noticing his skating wasn't kind of at the standard that we've seen from Neil Pionk, leading many to believe that maybe he was banged up a bit. I thought he was moving better on the weekend games. I thought he was it was one of his best games that he played uh, of the season today. I thought he was very involved. And that is what the Jets need from Neil Pionk. He needs to be one of their best defensemen. Right now, Josh Morrissey is the clear-cut number one. They need Neil Pionk to be playing like a number two defenseman. And he's done a nice I thought he was excellent today uh, on that front. And, and it's important for him to do that. Um, sorry, I just thought this was a hilarious comment. Is Sean a middle child? I like you, Sean. Really, I don't know what uh, started this comment, uh, but I'm I'm uh, uh, there's t- there's two of us, and I'm the second one. Unless you know something happened out there, and and I'm gonna get a late uh, late life surprise. I am not a middle <laughs> child. I if I'm acting like one, I don't know how. Um, but uh, but and there we go. What does that even mean? Uh, what does that even mean? I don't know what it means. I don't I I think uh please I don't know can, what, a middle, please dig into oh, that. Oh, I think I know uh, what it means. PDX I think Douglas. I think I think I know what it means. I think middle ch- children are starved for attention, Ken. Isn't that ah. how it goes everyone? I know as a parent that okay. I hear this all the time when I talk to uh when I talk to parents they'll say like they have the first one then they have the second one and then they're like, "Well, gotcha. we can't have another one cuz we can't do that to the youngest one cuz they'd never survive as a middle child." I know our neighbors had that con- that uh, conversation. So uh so yes, I'm here and I'm doing this not because I like hockey. Ken's kind of okay, but I'm here starved for your attention. <laughs> so bring it as much as you can. I need your likes. I need your comments. And you know what I think this show needs right now? A little more attention for me. I mean, we need to make this a Sean's headband version of the Kenny Rennie show. Let's do it. <laughs> Ha, 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 ha.
I like this from Scotty the show needs more troglodyte. It is a great tune. Hey, by the way, I've got one of the viewers trying to help me make that my ringtone. I'm closer to it. This has been like a three-week project. I'm closer to it. I'm going to get at it here. Um, We should talk a little bit more about Kyle Connor before we shut this thing down because uh, like you touched on it a little bit here. I want you to dig deeper. I'm hungry for your thoughts on this, Ken, because you touched a little bit on it on our chat that's up on Sportsnet right now. Uh, just the idea of like Kyle Connor getting the slow start. I talked with him. Uh, sorry, we were talking with him and I'd asked him the question about because, you know, remember Patrick Lyon, used to have fun with the oh, I don't want an assist. I like scoring goals. And Kyle Connor has always been a guy who looks to me like he thrives off scoring goals, likes to get into the quiet areas, likes to do that more often. But I would say about him. And I don't think enough people give Patrick Lyon a credit for this. That last year before he left, when Blake Wheeler got injured, and they put him on a line with uh, with uh, Kyle Connor and Mark Shifley. He became more of an assist man. He kind of deferred to Kyle Connor as the scorer on that line. And I think that took a lot of maturity for a young man. I thought it showed a lot of him rounding out his game. And I don't think Patrick Lyon got a lot of credit for that. Uh, I thought at a time where everyone said, well, he's not scoring the way he used to. His game's going down. His points per game were actually going up. He was getting to be a better, more complete, more rounded player. He was just so well known for scoring that he wasn't getting the credit I thought that he deserved. Well, I kind of feel like the quietness of Kyle Connor's game this year has been the same thing. I mean, this is a guy I think a lot of us thought would be challenging for the Rocket Richard Trophy. Hasn't turned out that way so far. And yet here he is right behind Josh Moore for the leading goals point producer on this team where he did that last season as well I think it shows a lot of maturity out of out of Kyle Connor that to your point the puck just wasn't going in for him but he just kept going with this team setting guys up and is right there near the top of this team and scoring in spite of the fact that the pucks bounces have not gone his way I love the stick to itiveness. Uh, I know that's not even a, not not necessarily a word, but we're going to make it a hyphenated word for the purposes of this show. Uh, and if it's not a word, it should be added uh, as a word to you know, Webster's or whatever dictionaries we are using these days. Uh, I loved what we saw from Kyle Connor uh, because you know he's a sniper, and when goals aren't going for a sniper, you know sometimes snipers go. Uh, quietly into the night. They go to a perimeter game. What we saw from Kyle Connor uh, was a diversifying when it came to his offensive punch. Uh, you know, So the one-timer's not going on the uh, power play because they're taking it away. He goes somewhere else to find. He gets to the net, going for tip-ins. He's going to the back door, going, you know, not just relying on scoring off the rush. Uh, you, know, you see a lot of cutbacks in his game these days, uh, showing his patience. But, Sean, I'm with you. His ability to pass the puck has always been an underrated skill for him. Uh, he, it's not just like he suddenly became a good passer. He was always a good passer. It just nowadays others are converting those passes uh, at a higher rate, I think. Uh, you know, Yes, he wasn't scoring at the same rate earlier, but you know, he's quietly putting together a really impressive season. I mean, he had 93 points last year to go along with those 47 goals. So he's always been able to produce a little bit of offense outside of just scoring goals. Uh, but he's doing a ton of his damage at 5-on-5 five five this year. And if the Jets want to go on a playoff run, first they have to make the playoffs. But if they want to go on a playoff run, they need Kyle Connor to go to the hard areas. He's going to the hard areas with regularity. And that's where he's going to score goals when it matters most. So uh, to me, I think it's impressive because... 
it would be it, it's easy for guys to get bogged down and to you know look at the stats sheet and say oh well my shooting percentage is down you know ho hum it'll just come no what we saw from Kyle Connor he was working constantly at his shot and trying to bust through today six shots on goal nine attempts you want to rack up numbers you know Mark Shifley is a qual- quality over quantity Kyle Connor he gets a ton of opportunities and because of his quick release and the shot that he brings to the table he's able to score in bunches and he's starting to do that with a lot more regularity and that's a dangerous thing for opposing teams because when Kyle Connor goes on a heater uh, he can be one of the most dangerous scorers in the NHL but he's not just a one-dimensional player he is able to find his teammates and Sean we went 59 minutes here without talking about the fact that Pierre-Luc Dubois had another yeah. three assist game, Quiet. three, three primary yeah. assists uh, on a night where you know he and Kyle Connor continue to show that chemistry that we saw so often last year. Uh, it was also on display again this evening in that five-two victory over the Florida Panthers. Uh, I before we close this out, I should uh, I want to address something here. Um, Ryan Friesen uh, is going on and on and on about the Avs. Uh, here he'd said, uh, I, I know he's been characterizing, and Ryan clearly loves to put words in my mouth about the Colorado Avalanche. I think if I remember distinctly what I said, I'd said the Avs are coming. And that's what I'd said about it. Ryan also got into our. Well, they were seven uh, and two, so they were yeah. actually coming in the standings. Yeah. Yeah. Now, now, hold on a sec. I, I, I've, I've got all the time in the world, and believe me, I love it when people challenge our takes. I have no problem with Ryan leaving two thousand comments about the Avs in the chat in the chat room. We get paid by the comments, so you're making me money. I appreciate it, Ryan. Uh, I'll say this: if I remember correctly, I said the Avs are coming. Ryan also jumped in uh, to tell me something about uh, to educate me. He did something about the Avs not suffering much in the way of in. Five of their top six are out right now. Um, so, uh, listen, Ryan, I'm going to say this right now. I still think the Avs are coming. I think that once they get healthy, they're going to be the biggest concern for the Winnipeg Jets. You can write that down. In fact, if you want, you can say it into the chat room another 2,000 times a game. Go at it. But I will say this, and I wanted to touch on this. Uh, there was a You uh, made a comment earlier on where you said F you uh, to someone in the chat room. And I know a couple times you've hopped in and you've called me stupid uh, before uh, on this show. Um, I'll say this. We have a standard in the chat room. If you had said this about my boy Ken here or anyone else in the chat room, you would have been gone a long time ago. Uh, I let it slide because I thought that maybe if we gave you some time and you saw how people can conducted themselves here you'd be able to figure it out it seems sometimes you're not able to i'm putting you on warning here no abusive content continue please we love it continue with your abs takes continue going at me you got to be able to do it respectfully or you're gone though and there was another comment earlier on uh mall uh, i i know what's going on here and you're kind of getting into it with scotty and scotty i know that you're pushing back Guys, we don't want to see people saying rude or stuff to each other. I know everyone's kind of going at each other. I guess what I'm saying is this is just an overall reminder. Kenny and Rennie's chat room and this show is a safe space. We respect each other. We treat each other with respect. Our comments reflect that. And that's what we're going to go do going forward. Okay. Peace all around. That's what I'm asking for. That's what I'm hoping for. And that's what we're going to have one way or another. Okay. Anyways, uh, see, here we go. Get back to this, Ryan. This is the kind of stuff. This is the quality content everyone's showed up for. It's respectful. It's good. Challenge me from here right until the very end of the season. I'm expecting it. 
uh, and that's the way it should be. Other than that, Ken, great job here tonight. Uh, really, here, there we go. This is what I'm talking about. Mall comes back. I'm sorry, Scott. I love you. This is what I want to see. This is the quality content I'm here for. And I wanted to show this out because I didn't say anything. I know the chat room handled it earlier, but T Will, uh, someone who's on the show all the time, and Ken, who we are going to see uh, at the TCB Tap Room on December 18th because he's one of the people who got tickets for the for the live show there. Uh, sounds like he had a rough day. Uh, I hope you're listening to this later to you, Will, and I hope you know we're thinking about you, buddy. Uh, a shout out to you. Hopefully things get better for you out there. Uh, Ken, great job here. Uh, if everyone here appreciates uh, the conversations that are happening in these spaces, uh, please appreciate our sponsors because they make sure that these conversations stay going in these spaces for us. That's Vittorio Rossi, the Trans Canada Brewing Company, Johnson Group, Lou Ferlin, and Homefield. Thank you so much to them. And as always, thank you for the chat to the chat room. Thank you for your time, for your attention, for your comments, everything. Uh, you're the best. Uh, we're nothing without you. So thank you so much. We will see you after the next game against the St. Louis Blues.